Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. And I didn't even have to say, let's reschedule. I just went right along with it. That's so great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely giving us a lot more freedom to do a lot of things that we felt we could But it's unfortunate that it had to be such a horrible thing that created all this to happen. Yes, that is true. That's the thing that like, it's, it's like every time I want to be like, I'm so thankful for this. I'm like slapping myself. Like, no, I'm not thankful for this. Put myself in check. This is one of those things that I can't say I'm thankful. Right. I can just say like, I'm trying to make the best of it. (laughs) You know, it's interesting when you like, I've seen a few different um, highlights on social media from nurses that have been moved from from Utah from turn it off. <laughs> Quarantine edition of Light the Fight. <laughs> Next we'll hear a toilet flush. <laughs> um what I was saying is that there's just stop. One hundred percent. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. Okay. Um quite a few people, nurses, healthcare providers left Utah, went to New York, and were assigned to different places. And I think that that's one of the most humbling things, not not what they're saying on the news, not those reports that just feel like they're on repeat, but those real life nurses. And usually it's like young people who they're kind of fresh out of school. They've been a, a healthcare maid for not so long, so they could leave because they didn't have family, yeah. didn't have kids or whatever. And for them to just talk about the fact that they they were, you know, losing more than they were saving and that they'd never seen anything like that. I mean, that was the kind of thing that really struck home for me and, um, you know, hats off to them. And then what was interesting is several different accounts that I've read said, you know, they'd leave the hospital on buses being at the end of the ship, busing them back to some hotel that's been specially allocated for those healthcare providers. And as they would drive in their bus, horns would honk, people would cheer, holding up signs as as the bus would drive, like along the bus route. And these healthcare providers just talked about how they left work feeling like this weight, feeling like, you know, like I said, losing more than they than they helped but then being cheered for and acknowledged and seen in, in their sacrifice. And I think that one of the things that you taught me a long time ago, David, was that we can do anything. We as human beings, we can survive anything. We can pass through anything as long as we have somebody there walking with us, if we're not alone. And that was the thing that I thought about. How cool is it that these people that are just, doing everything they can, maybe fighting a losing battle in many cases, um, but they're, but they're being seen and they're being buoyed up by the community. I think that's, it's such a testament of the human connection and, and that need that we have in our deepest, darkest, we need each other. You know, um, obviously in the, in the near months or years to come, 
there will probably be documentaries about what happened because yeah. we're so disconnected from New York because they can't let news cameras go in there. It's not, it's so we're only getting it from their cell phones and from these intimate. And for me, it's going off what you said, Heidi, it is such a relief because I believe the people that are there on their cell phones saying what's going on, but it's hard to know depending on what channel of news you're watching and what, you know, where it's coming from, what the agenda is. Is this something that people are pushing? Like, it's like, it's easy to trust a person that has permanent marks in their face. Right. And it's easy to trust a person when, when they can't even find words. Like when someone, you try to say, describe what you guys going through. And you see these people like, a, <sighs> they're like, they can't even, like, I believe a person that can't come up with the words to describe what they're going through. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to believe a person that's too like, so today at nine o'clock. So anyway, so did you guys hear about the dog show that we're doing? It's like, wait, like we went from the court. Wait, wait, what's going on? Right. Right. But it's just something that's like, okay, you can trust it. It's real. And on a side note, I think there'll be some really amazing stories of relationships that are being built on those front lines. Because these are people that oftentimes are not even, they're strangers that are working together. And I'm just going off of some conversation I've had with a lot of people in my life are nurses or in the medical profession. And, you know, they're sharing stories with me, you know, that, you know, especially their friends that are going to New York and Man, it's just, it seems like, like anything, when you go through the fire, you come out with family. Like you don't go in with just regular strangers and come out strangers. You go in as strangers and you come out family. And that's no difference if it's a suicide, if it's, you know, any major struggle that human beings go through. And you're right, Heidi. I mean, yeah, I know I said it, but it wasn't like my idea. It's people, human beings are better when they're struggling collectively. A collective struggle. Right, right. When everybody's individually going through struggles, it isn't known, isn't on your sleeve. People can't see your struggle. It's easy to dismiss people and and to say mean things. But I'm just happy that we're not talking about ridiculous things that don't matter right now. Even though this is horrible, I'm glad people are seeing that because we're all going through the same thing. Well, even though you're not on the front line, even though you can't influence, maybe you're not essential work or whatever. There's a lot of stuff that you can do to clean out the closet of your life to make sure that you're making sure you're fortifying your relationship. So if there is a, a relationship pandemic, if there is, and I don't mean to minimize what's happening, but if there's something that's traumatic happening in your community and your family that you can gather and rally the troops and take an example from these people who are on the front lines and say, if they can come together for this, we can get over our petty differences, right? Because I doubt when you walk in the hospital, um, I doubt when you walk in the hospital, when someone walks through, they say, hey, you're from Utah, you're a nurse. Okay, we got your paperwork. Go ahead and jump jump in there and start helping people. I doubt they say, wait a second, who did you vote for? What's your political view? What religion right. are you? I'm sorry. These people only want Christians to, to, to be their nurse. These people only want atheists to be their nurse. I'm pretty sure nobody gives a damn as long as they're helping and they are caring, you know? It's true. It's true. Well, one of the things we talked about tonight, David, is that we have some questions that have come in um, and we just want to kind of get in and kind of rapid fire hit some of these questions. So do you feel up for that tonight? I do feel up to that. And at the end, before we leave, I want to give a little quarantine confession. Oh, no, let's start. Let's start with your quarantine confession. (laughs) Okay. well, no, I one up you. Let's start with someone's going to be younger tomorrow. Well, I'm going to be wiser. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> Since you don't drink wine, you can't say I'm aging like wine. You can just say yeah. I'm getting wiser like Yoda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or as Quincy would call me, Master Ugwe. Master Ugwe. There you That's go. That's what there she you go. likes to call mm -hmm. me. It's true. I'm it's I'm sure I'm sure we'll delve into that in another episode, the Master <laughs> Ugwe episode. But seriously, pre happy birthday to Heidi. So when this comes out, it will be on Heidi's birthday. Yeah, what so a you're, day. You're one of the and just to let you know, I mean, quarantine birthdays at this age are just like every other birthday in my opinion. <laughs> well, there was nothing I, special about my birthday last year, and there's nothing special about my birthday this year. So I definitely have no expectations. But I, I do think that maybe someday we're gonna have to have like a birthday a birthday therapy session. <laughs> because yeah. you know, there's it's a whole thing. But let's not talk about that today because I gotta deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> So my quarantine confession, your boy just had in, first time in what is it, 2020, first time in 12 years, I had a counseling session for myself. How does that work? Well, it works with my wife seeing me having a lot of emotional issues and her making the appointment. <laughs> And it's, it's really, it's really a couples counseling session because I have not been able to communicate all these years. Turns out, go figure, turns out I'm better at helping people than asking for help. You know, I have a theory about this. I think I've talked about it. I'm sure that there's a place in our brain where we can help other people. It's a highly functional place. And then there's a place in our brain for ourselves, completely and dysfunctional <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 called it's called the hypocrisy cabinet of your brain <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hypocrisy and so my, my wife she's like i'm making the appointment and it's it's not like me and my wife i mean thankfully if we're not getting a divorce we're not having that kind of issue but it is a communication issue because i've jokingly but it's actually very serious and I've had a lot of mommy issues throughout my life. And when I went to counseling, it was mostly revolving around abandonment and all those different types of things. And uh, this quarantine, if it's taught me one thing, it's very simple. Um, I, I have to be more honest in all my dealings. And that means, you know, they say the truth will set you free. But when I'm saying honest, I'm really referring to if I'm feeling something, if I'm going through something. I can't be so easy. To, I can't be so quickly to dismiss it. Mm. And um, it's, it's been causing challenges in me and my wife's relationship because for many years, you know, I just kind of, I'm not saying I'm the perfect husband, but I know what a husband has to do to get the love, respect, and trust from his wife. And I do those things, but I'm not really able to say things that I need from her for me. So she's just like going along going, you're good. I'm like, I'm good. And and then all of a sudden, she's like, wait a second, he's not good. Come to find out, I've had a lot of things that, put it this way, if you got mommy issues, the only thing you have to do to trigger said mommy issues is get in a relationship with a woman. And uh, that will bring those issues to the surface. So apparently, women have a few things in common, you know, go figure. And uh, But I've got an amazing wife. I mean, you guys know my wife. I mean, she's, it's almost, that's the problem. She really is. She, that's the problem. I look at her like every day. I'm like, am I still good enough to be your husband? <laughs> I'm like applying for the role as her husband because I'm like, hey, if I'm getting to heaven, it's by association through her. <laughs> my kids, my kids, like they're like they're just gonna be next to mom and it's just get invited in. I'm gonna be in the line saying, kind of like you when you have a standby ticket for the airlines. 
<laughs> um, I'm like, on, I could, if I got a chance to get to heaven, it's going to be through standby. It's like, I need co-signing. I need people going, eh, he wasn't that bad. He did help us with our kid, you know? And so I need petitions. I need 10,000 signatures, that sort of thing to get in. And so I've always, I've always just been like, I don't want to rock the boat with the wife. I don't want to do anything. I won't share what's going on with me. And it's just got to the point where now I'm like, I just haven't been honest with anything going on with myself. But here's the thing is, I didn't know I wasn't honest. I literally thought I, I was fine. I literally thought I was fine. And I broke, man. It's, I mean, in 16 days, there's been 16 people that I'm intimately associated with. And that's code word for I'm their counselor, either present or past. And uh, six people in 16 days have uh, attempted suicide. And I thought it would slow down after the pe- first week, and it didn't. And then I just broke about nine days ago. And I just, you know, Heidi, there's some things you can't unsee. And when I have these constant, like, emergency 911 calls and these texts and late at night, you know, I can't put my head down without, like, it's like you put your head down, you sleep for, well, let's say I've been sleeping for seven, eight hours. I won't sleep in three or four hours a night, but let's say, I put my head down. I get eight hours. I lift my head up and I was like, wait, did I just fall asleep for a second? I thought I fell. I thought I was asleep for five minutes and it was hours. I just can't get into a deep sleep. It's like, there's something like, it's almost like I'm on guard. Like I'm watching a tribe or I'm watching, like I'm the, the, the security guard for this encampment and I can't fall asleep because if I fall asleep, we could be attacked. And I'm not saying me or my family per se. And it's just gotten to the point where I'm like, Dude, I got to knock this off, man. Like I, I got, I got to put my, it's just, I'm a hypocrite. Like I'm not doing, I'm doing the things for my wife that she needs, my family, but I'm not doing anything for myself that I'm teaching everybody to do and helping everybody do. Some of that emotional availability situation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, and I mean, tons, I mean, tons of stuff. I mean, I don't want to get into the weeds with it right now, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, otherwise that you guys will have to like pay. Me, I'll have to pay you guys to listen to this podcast. Some good paybacks. Some good paybacks. <laughs> I'm like, I'll Venmo everybody to listen to this episode and gives me feedback and therapy. But you know, on, a, on a serious note, it's just, it is, I can't tell you in the past seven days, I'm actually like, I can be honest. I, I can say what I'm feeling. Like I didn't know I was allowed to. I thought, cause I mean, I have to choose such, and by the way, don't feel sorry for me, anyone. This is not a sorry thing. Like I, what I'm about to say is just, it's just an example. Most people don't have to put every thought into every word and every text and everything that comes out of my mouth. I have to make sure that not only am I caring, kind, supportive, but I'm also not triggering and offending people while giving them some uncomfortable information to help them push themselves to the next level. So I have to push them, but not too hard. But then if I don't push them at all, then, you know, it's like, it's this fine line, you know, I'll do hour and a half sessions with people. I I don't charge them extra for the two hour. I mean, I should, you know, I was talking to my counselor last night. She said, all of our sessions are 50 minutes. I'm like, you can do that. (laughs) You can have a 50 minute session. I'm like, what is that like? And she's like, oh, I would never do more than a 50 minute session. She wasn't saying like, she doesn't care, but she was like, I, I, I just, she has that boundary and that barrier. I'm like, oh, I need one of those. Where can I buy one of those? <laughs> you know, so- I think it's encouraging though, David, because I think what it tells you is that even when, I mean, you're a very evolved human relationship individual, like intellectually and in, in practice, like I've never seen anybody be able to connect with people the way that you do in, in reality. 
But what that tells me is that you're not to the end. There's still, there's still room for growth. And it doesn't mean that you've slipped. It just means that you've gotten to a new level that you have to recalibrate at, you know? And I think that that's, it's important when we go through new things. I mean, you've said it yourself. It's the first time I've ever canceled people through pandemics. You know, all of us are kind of at a different level. And I think that we have to remember that it doesn't necessarily mean that you've fallen back and that you've lost ground. It just means that in this new place, you gotta, you gotta put, put the, put the, what, what's it called when you can like, okay, that's my, like your North star, <laughs> your berry, uh, your berry, well, that was well, that was well put. I, that, thank you. That made a lot of sense. I, my counselor last laughed last night because she was like, Hey, you know, you guys don't obviously have like marriage issues. So this is obviously, I need to help you communicate this with her. This is just your like, like, <laughs> But I, I need help. Like I need someone to help me communicate with my wife. Cause as much as I love my wife, um, she is not like, if I say something, she goes quickly to need to do this and questions, 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 questions. And I'm like, man, I wish she would listen to more of my podcast episodes. <laughs> I'm like, but I can't therapize her. I can't tell her to do it's, it doesn't work that way. I get it. Right. And so the, the, the lady, you know, we're like, so how often, you know, when you want to meet next, she's like, no, I, I think you guys are able to meet. Let's just meet every other week. And I'm sitting here going, how about tomorrow? <laughs> I was thinking more tomorrow. Now like, you we know how feel. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, how about not? And how about like, I just want to plow through this because I don't know how long I'm going to keep this, this, this pathway open. I don't know how long I'm going to be open to this kind of change. Do you have a podcast that I can binge? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she does actually. And so, um, but yeah, it's one of those things where um, I, uh, yeah, I'm just like, all right, I guess it's my turn now serving number 5 billion and 32. And that's me. I finally got my up, you know, I'm up the bat. So put me in coach, put me in coach. I'm ready to cry. Very good. Very good. There well, you go, guys. All right. Now that we know that David is officially broken, having to go to his own therapist, let's ask him some questions. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. good. I'm encouraged by that. All right. I'm going to read this question. Um, it. it starts out like almost all the questions. So, this might be a weird question, folks. Your questions aren't weird. We all have it. We all have yeah. it. Okay. Anyway. I've been, I have a senior son. That's like a whole ball of wax right there. You know, seniors, dang it. Yeah. Who's been struggling the last year with severe depression. She says mostly in the winter months. He's really been struggling the past couple months that school has been canceled. He's the student body president of school, which he loves. But I think it's also causing added stress. He needs to find a new counselor. I'm at a loss. Um, she asks for recommendations and what to look for to find somebody for teenage boys. Well, as most people could probably imagine, teenage boys, not, I can't say this with every teenage boy, but teenage boys aren't typically known for being open to want to go talk about their feelings to a stranger. So, that in of itself can be very worrisome for a mom, as you know, Heidi, right? Like you, you, you've lived through that because as much as you want to say, I just want to get in 
have him get in to see someone as fast as possible. We also know this is a very dangerous game to, to get him with the wrong person because then it's, you know, teenagers don't have the same motivation, for example, like a couples therapy situation where there's so much at risk. There's so much at stake. You know, even if they don't want to go to couples counseling, they know that we got to do this. Right. So there is some investment on both parts, but to tell a teenage boy that's trying to come into his own as a man, that's trying to have his own bravado or trying to be like, I'm strong, I'm tough, or I, I can handle things. And then tell them to go talk about sensitive feelings that they try to avoid to a stranger. It can be a tough sell. So I always tell people, this is going to be most likely, unless you get really lucky, something that you're going to have to really work hard to find. Then once you find a couple of particular people that you think would be a good fit, then you're going to have to work really hard on the sales pitch. Because if you pitch it wrong to your teenage boy, your probability of getting him to go to said counselor just went through the floor. Okay. If you, if like, if you don't pitch it enough, meaning like you don't, you know, you know, try to encourage them enough, they're probably not going to call on their own and do it. Like you can't just give them the numbers. Hey, call someone. Good luck. Right. So there is that fine line. Like, how do I respect that this isn't something he wants to do, but at the same time, just nudge and gently persuade him. Or obviously this is the question for him, but it could be him, her, whatever. It's one of those things where how do we gently persuade? Okay. But what about getting, I mean, she didn't say there, he acknowledges that he has, yeah. is he's done with depression. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, what happens, what happens if you're good one day and then the next day is kind of rough or you're good in the morning, but by afternoon you're frustrated again. I think that, um, and and I don't mean to derail you, but oh, I please, think please, that please. that there has to be some kind of like normalization of the conversation that you know you don't seem like yourself. Is there, you know, can you can you tell that? Do you feel like yourself? I know you're not supposed to ask questions like that, but that was a statement. You That's don't right. seem like yourself. That was a statement. That's right. Um, anyway, so so keep going. I think that not just trying to convince somebody, but also having the conversation in general. So if any of you have had the unfortunate experience of having a personal trainer push you and do exercises you don't want to do. I have. Then, 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 then you'll know how this <laughs> feels. There is an obvious truth when you do your body mass index that you're not 19 anymore for us older people, right? And sometimes, this is what I hear, especially during you know this quarantine time, when someone's been eating bad and they haven't been exercising, usually they're not like, let me weigh myself every day just to see how much I'm gaining and how bad it's getting. That's usually the opposite. Most people know it's there. They know it's a reality. But I know for myself when I've struggled, you know, in those areas, I don't want to stand on a scale to see what I already believe that I know. <laughs> okay. I don't need the proof. I know. Okay. So it's the same thing as when you don't want to really look at your bank well, account. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Right. It's like, it's like, yeah, I know, I know I didn't have enough money to, to, to make those swipes, but I'm just going to pretend that those, uh, those, those $25 fees didn't add up. Right. Well, it's not by accident I use that analogy. That's a very, it's a simple analogy for most people to get, right? You know, it's there, you know, you need to face it, but until you face it, you say things like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Well, reality says 
there's never a great time, right? Like, are you ever ready to be a mother? I hear the answer is no. <laughs> you're never really ready to have one, two, three, four, five, or how many kids you have. You're never prepared for that, right? But the reason why I use this analogy as well is that your teenager, if they are struggling with depression, anxiety, these types of things, and to answer this woman's question, you have to be able to be a really good trainer, coach, slash person to sit with them while they're going through this. But how you can flip it around, and this is, I talked about this earlier, I call it reverse manipulation. Okay, it's not reverse psychology, it's reverse manipulation. And here's why. Manipulation means to tweak or change. So instead of trying to manipulate your kid to go to counseling, you reverse it and you do something a little bit different. You actually, I'll give you an example. I'm going to make up a scenario with this mom and the son, so I could be way off, but I'm just making this up because I obviously don't know these people ask this question. So son's worried, son's depressed, not wanting to deal with it. She's trying to find a counselor. But she knows even if she does find a counselor, getting him to go to the counselor may not be something he wants to do. So instead of saying, hey, I'm really concerned about you, little Johnny, and I really want you to, you know, I'm worried because I've been sitting here all day long staring at you and I can see how sad you're getting. Normally I'd work to deal with, but now I can just stare at you all day long and worry. Right. Like I get more time to worry. So, of course, it's going to maximize, intensify things, plus all the other stresses going on. So it would be easy for a mom to say her worries and then say, will you please go to counseling? Can you do this? Hey, you know, you may get lucky and that may work. I don't like to bet on luck. I like to bet on probability. So here's what I suggest my clients how to handle this. Now, I'm going to say this, but you might have to tweak this for your own situation. Right. But it'll give you a little framework to work with. So you say, you know what, this is your senior year. Obviously, since no one else has gone through a pandemic in their senior year, no one can really relate. So I don't want to piss you off. I don't want to make you mad and tell you like, it's not that big of a deal or don't worry about it. But then again, I don't want to coddle you and be like, oh, poor little Johnny, you know, that's unfair of you. You know, this is unfair because there's this weird thing, especially with older teenagers, they want empathy, but they don't want sympathy because that's what you'd give a child. Okay. So they that go, oh, that sounds a lot like when I was eight years old and my mom felt bad for me because, you know, not all my friends showed up at my birthday party. It sounds a little ish like that. Right. So instead, you take this approach. Johnny, because you've been going through this pandemic, because you've been going through this quarantine, you've had to sacrifice your senior year, but no one asked you to sacrifice. It wasn't a willing sacrifice. If I was in your shoes, I could not imagine what this would be happening to me. In fact, I actually think you're handling it better than I would have handled it myself and probably handle it better than most. Because I'm sure there's someone out there wor- handling it worse than your kid, right? There's always <laughs> someone dealing with it worse. Then after you say that, that's just kind of that opening leading statement. Then after you say that, say, you know what? What I'm about to say to you may sound a little surprising. But it may not be for the reasons you think. I'm starting to feel that you are ready to take on life, but because of everything that's happening, you're probably doubting yourself. You're probably wondering, you know, if you can, because this isn't fair, right? But what I thought about is if you've noticed, by the way, you gotta you gotta make fun of yourself a little bit. If you've noticed I've been a little extra worrisome, I'm trying to wake you up in the morning, stuff like that, it's really not to do your homework. I know you're going to graduate from high school. I know it's, it's going to be fine. What it really is, is I'm starting to have worries that aren't realistic for you. And 
basically what's going on is that I think as much as I love you, I may not be the best person to help you and talk to you about all these things. And I want to press you and push you to like try to avoid me or the family because usually that happens, right? So instead, tell you what, a couple of people I talk to, you know, you can do a little white lie every now and then. It's, it's okay. You'll live. Okay. A couple of people I talk to, they told me that their, that their child decided to go to counseling for something that they would have never thought that they're going to counseling for. It wasn't even depression, wasn't even anxiety, wasn't anything like that. They're going to counseling because they realize in order to be a person out there going to college and doing all these other things, you are basically alone in this quarantine, in this pandemic, in this situation. And you are the only person that can come up with the right solutions. So the counseling these people are going to, they walked in the council and say, listen, my son, my daughter wants some help coming up with a plan to move forward in the future. I don't want to go to be this controlling or fearful mom. And so all these kids are realizing that by doing this, it's actually helping them get their parents to like calm down and chill out because a lot of teenagers, they don't realize this till I tell them. So I'm going away from the story for a second. I'll tell them, they're like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I'm like, but if you come here, you get your parents off your back. They're like, really? Like, yes, really. So you flip it. You say, you don't need counseling. I probably need counseling. But by you going to counseling, it doesn't have to be for my reasons. If you're 13 years old, I'd be like, you need to go to counseling because you're depressed. Now that you're 17, 18 years old, I think you could benefit to go to counseling because you're tired of feeling like this and you're ready to take the next step. And this client, this pandemic and this quarantine is the only thing holding you back. It's the only thing stopping you. You were already moving forward. It threw you off. Every teenager I've talked to right now is saying, I was getting a good track. Something was going my way. Things were moving. Even the kids that aren't doing horrible, before the pandemic, they realized they were making more progress for some reason they are, than they are currently right now. So back to that story, it's just like, hey, I don't, I don't think you need counseling. I actually think counseling could help me to stay in my own lane and it shows that you're taking the next step and I don't got to be involved. If you go to counseling, you figure some stuff out, whatever, check in, check in, let me know. If you don't ever want to talk to me about it, don't talk to me about it. But the last thing I want is for me to try to be your counselor because that's not fair to you. You can handle this. You can take care of this. But like anyone, we all need a coach. We all need an assistant. We all need someone to, to work for us to get to that next level. People have played around with that because I don't know which approach would work with your kid. But here's what you got to do. Every parent that came back to me and said, this didn't work. The parent failed, not the teenager. The parent said this, and then the teenager responded, yeah, I don't know. Like, it sounds like you're just trying to get me to go to counseling. No, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not. Those parents started to get really defensive. It's not that I'm trying to go to counseling. I just love you and I care about you. And then they went into the saving, coddling mode because they were fearful Oh my gosh, my son is sniffing me out. He thinks that I'm trying to save him and, and, he, and they start to fear that it doesn't work. Here's how it works. You can text it, but you have to mic drop it. If you go and say, listen, I don't know if you're open to this, but here's a couple of people's numbers that have helped out a lot of people around here. And those people, you got to give them a couple options. That was important. I just forgot about it. You got to give them two or three options so that they get to pick. And they say, I don't know what you think about this, but here's what I do know. You're not a depressed person. If you are showing depression, it's just what you're going through. These type of people can help you get to the next level. And it's not your fault 
because no one planned for this one. And in fact, who knows? Maybe if you like the counselor, you know, maybe that'll inspire me to, to go to counseling or maybe it'll inspire me to, to lose weight or whatever it is. Some parents have made deals. They say, if, if you go to counseling to talk about your future, A, I will stay out of the relationship and B, you get to pick something that I have to work on. Because at the end of the day, would you rather lose weight if your kid says, right, mom, well, you always been complaining about you don't like the way you look, you don't like the way you feel because our kids hear us hate on ourselves all the time. And we do. We hate on ourselves and all the time. A couple kids, when they heard, you get to pick something that I have to work on. And if I don't do it every week, you don't have to go to counseling that week. Guess what that is? That's like the coach that says, run the extra mile, but I'll run it with you. If you, put skin, if yeah. you put skin in the game, and if you just say, this is what's up, mic drop and walk away, even if they don't jump and say, yeah, I want counseling, it leaves them with this weird impression of you. It's like, wow, my parent is being brave and bold right now. Because most parents come in like really cautiously, hey, little Johnny, you know, I've just been really concerned lately. We think that being nice to someone who's not feeling well and someone who is angry and irritable and mad at their situation that befriending them and being nice with them is a lead way to inspiring them and motivating them. No, here's what it is. It makes them feel like they came from a weak person. It makes them feel that you're not sure of yourself. Now, it may not make everybody feel exactly that. I'm saying it can make them feel like my parent doesn't seem too confident right now. They look scared. They're making me feel like, oh, they got a really big fear about me falling apart. Even if your kid is falling apart, you don't want to come at them really soft and dainty and like too cautious because that's weird. People only do that when they're scared. You want your kid to see you being scared? Well, guess what? They came from you. Relationships are mirrors. If you come to them and say, listen, I know that you wouldn't want to go to counseling, but I also know that you need to do something for yourself that I can't do for you. I could be your counselor or you can go talk to someone that will keep it a secret because Lord knows sometimes I have problems with that. Okay. <laughs> if you tell your kid you have a hard time keeping secrets and you're a mom, there's 99%, 99.9% chance that the kids will go, yeah, she's got a good point. She's got a good point. Because how many teenagers said, mom, don't <laughs> tell them this. Mom, don't post about, like, you take a picture of your kid doing their chores. Like, mom, why did you take a picture of me doing my chores? Now they're not going to do their chores. Really careful. This is not little Johnny. This is little Johnny that's tired of being little Johnny. He wants to be big Johnny. And he's tired of feeling like a weak little kid. And by you coming at your kid that way only validates that fear and that weakness. When it's not, who, it's not even who yeah. they are. It's not even who they are. It's just simply what they're going through. I think that's great suggestions. And I think that you know, this is what we're talking about in this whole entire podcast is that when we improve the relationships that we have with the kids, that we build trust and influence with the kids, um, then when when there is a time of trouble or when we do have to do a mic drop, then then we've kind of built some relationship in there. It makes every interaction easier when you know, the, the playing field is a little bit more even and we have that chance to, you know, I want to say this one more time because this has been such a huge impact on me and a big change in my life that David has taught me, which is that you cannot have any influence over anyone else 
until you let them have influence on you. And, you know, this has gotten a little harder as my kids have gotten older or, you know, with the older kids, because the older they get, they start to like see through the whole smoke screen that's been they see, up. They see for, the patterns. They see the patterns. They start like realizing that they're, that they're perfect aunts and uncles have some flaws. They start realizing why we think the grandma is so insane or, you know, they yeah. like start to put pieces together. And so then they start to call you out, me out when, what did you call it? The hypocrisy cabinet or yep. something like that. <laughs> hypocrisy um, files just up there in your brain. Yep. You know, and so when we, when we let our kids kind of say, hey, mom, didn't you say you aren't going to have any more Diet Cokes before 4 p.m.? And it's 3.55 and you're like, <laughs> I did, I said that, I'm not going to do it, you know, whatever. You got to take those criticisms on board in a way that you say, you know what? You're right. Thank you. Thanks for reminding me. That way, when you come back with them with an observation and a suggestion, they're going to be so much more willing to listen. And you guys, what I just said, what just came out of my mouth, that is Heidi 2.0. You, you know, that has been a really hard lesson for me, but something has changed my life with my kids, with my husband, and with people around me. It's it's 100% changed me. And um, it hasn't been easy. And it took me a long time to believe David. <laughs> but um, But what a powerful what a powerful tool tactic change that you can make which makes having these influential conversations so helpful you could have the best counselor in the whole wide world and if that kid doesn't want to be there feels like he's being trapped or tricked or manipulated not manipulated not healthy manipulated but if he's getting dragged there and he doesn't want to be there it's not going to matter so I think it's really important to to get to that point that there's some realization. I love what you said, David. This isn't something wrong with you. This is not your fault. This is not who you are. It's what you're going through. These conversations, this goes back to that normalizing the conversation that mental health and physical health are two different things and need special attention individually. So I love that. It's it's very easy to feel victimized if you're a teenager, especially if you're a senior. It's like, I'm a victim personally of this pandemic and this quarantine. Now, granted, for the people who've lost loved ones, they're not going to have a lot of empathy for that. Okay, But for your, your kids in your household that you're not being threatened by actual death, right? They, they, that's all they know. That's death to them. That's a social death. Right. Like I don't even get my shine at graduation. I don't get my senior yearbook signed by everybody. It's like, you know what I mean? So for them, it's a death of sorts. And going back to the, you know, letting someone influence you before you can really have influence on them. It's really like, if you want your kids to be better at taking help and taking advice, then you got to have opportunities as well for them to give you advice and to help you. One mom, she was brave enough and 
the young man, I think uh, he, he really has a good relationship with his mom. And I think because he loves her so much and he's clever and he's a smart ace. So of course I love him. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he was pretty smooth and this was a few weeks back now, but he'd said, and this was a, I've taken on a handful of new clients and not because I wanted to, because they were like those moments where these people would not leave me alone to the point where it was like, fine. Like I will stop bothering me. You know? <laughs> and also too, all joking aside, it was such a bad situation. I knew I, someone had to jump in. Right. So having said that, um, these people, this one young man in particular, he said, I will go to counseling if you go to counseling, mom. And she said, like with, like with you, like I thought her relationship was great. So she got worried. Like, what are you talking about? He goes, no, mom is like, you're just not happy. And she started breaking down and she started crying. And he's like, I just, I know you're not happy, mom. And I know that you worry about me so much. It makes you feel like you're a bad mom. And his, his issues is not his mom, thankfully. You know, it's not his mom. But, you know, his issues are severe. But for him to have that insight, and the mom was like, that was the sweetest thing he's ever said. Like, he's actually worrying about me right now. And I don't want him to worry about me. I want him to worry about himself. I'm like, well, he learned from the best, mom. He learned <laughs> from the best. I hate it when you say crap like that. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, she hate, she didn't like it either. But just for the record, she was like, looked at me. She's like, mm -hmm, okay, that was a good one. I'll let that one slide. But she got it. And so it was a great moment for them. You know, and it, it was just, it was just a great example of our teenagers want us to be happy too. And if they see that our actions could give, you know, honor or give us, making us feel proud of them, we just have to flip it around so that them going to counseling is a hero's act, not a victim's act. And it's all how you word it. But well, here's the trick. Here's the trick I almost forgot. If you, this is where it went south for someone. If you word it and say it similar to how I said it, and then they keep on saying they don't believe you, they don't believe you, and you break out of that character, and you say, well, I've just been, you know, it's, you've been depressed for so long, and of course I'm going to worry about you. Then they go, aha, I got you. It's don't take the bait. Just because they say you just want them to go to counseling, you like are trying to force them and stuff like that, say, you know what, I'm not going to argue with you. In the past, you, you're absolutely right, I had. But- I'm asking you to give me the benefit of the doubt, just like you wanted me to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're going to stay six feet away from the girl you're just going to sit in the backyard and talk to. I'm doing air quotes for all of our listeners. Okay, <laughs> just going to talk to her in the backyard for six for for six feet away, even though we haven't seen each other in seven weeks. Yeah, right. Okay. So, <laughs> what what they're really what what's really happening here is that we do not need to convince our kids that we're being genuine and being honest with them, because this is not a lie. What I'm saying, it's actually true. They need to see that their actions to take better care of their mental and emotional health is a hero's act, not a victim's act. Victims don't do that. I know I've been a victim, took a course in it and everything, PhD, everything. Right. <laughs> and when I'm feeling like a victim, I'm bah humbug. And you could give me a hundred reasons why I could get a job or I could be happier. And I'd like, I'd poke a hundred I'd poke a hundred holes in every one of those 100 reasons. Well, I can't, I can't do this because, you know, you know, she won't love me or this job's not going to like this, or I don't have this much diplomas, degrees. They're not going to hire me. I'm not going to make enough money. And I'll just dig myself a hole. But if we can flip it around and say, yeah, this is like, you feel like a victim would happen, but you're definitely not a victim. This is your opportunity 
to prove to yourself in the world, when things get difficult, you get determined. When things get hard, you get focused. I've said on this podcast for the past two years, purposeful struggle is what we all need. Well, guess what is on the menu right now? Purposeful struggle. Everyone gets it all at the same time. There's, it's a buffet. Just walk down, get all the helpings you want a purposeful struggle because everyone's got it right now. There's no one that's sailing through this quarantine of woohoo. Even the companies that are making tons of money, it's like, wow, they're really benefiting from this. That's not easy to do either. Like when everybody, when you went from having 10,000 people on your product, now you got 10 million, like, like that's another problem. It's just a hard thing. Like you could fail by not providing good service in this time, right? People are going to be, so there's so many ways that everybody's struggling. It's not just the people are dying that are struggling. It's people who are trying to figure out how do I evolve and how do I change the way I live business, family, and you know, family business, of course, right now on the fly when I don't know how to do this, confess to your kids that you're in the same boat. If they call you out and they say, well, you know, it's easy for you to say, then put some skin on the table. Tell them, I'll double down. If you go to counseling, try it one time, give it a shot, then I'll do something that you want me to do. And they will come up with something that they want you to do that would be hard for you, embarrassing and uncomfortable. And I want you to just nod your head and say, deal. Let's make a deal. Because no parent out there would say, oh, so what you're saying is that you want me to eat healthy or you want me to take better care of myself. And if, you, if I do that, you'll go to counseling. No, that's too much to ask because that would be the biggest hypocrite of all hypocrite in the world. You know, there's a lot packed into that answer of that question. <laughs> and there's another question, but I think that it will kind of... Yeah detract. And so I think that yeah, there's, looking at it there. there's so much value here and it's not just, it's not just that scenario. Like how can I get my kid to, to a counselor that that's some, like, wh what do you, what do you call, um, young adults? You call them, oh, dang it. Why, what would I call them on air when people are listening or would I call them behind no, closed no, doors? No, you call them okay. like, what's that pre-professional? Oh, uh, semi-pro. <laughs> They're semi-professional semi -professional adults. This, this conversation that we're having is like semi-professional adult 101. And yep. so I think that, I think we should leave it here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you're a parent if you're somebody that's dealing with one of these semi-pro adults, one of these seniors, one of these like people that are getting ready to step off into major life um, changes, re-listen to what, what David has talked about and really think about if you're treating your semi-pro adult um, kind of on the same level, are you owning what you're putting out there? Are you doing some of this reverse manipulation, it's tricky, but it is effective. Because when you're trying to manipulate your kid to go to counseling, sometimes the focus is how do I get my kid to go to counseling versus what's the best way for my kid to view and see counseling. Mm -hmm. it, it's, totally, it's like sometimes we're like, I got to get them there. We don't even think about the process of talking to them about it. Are we making them feel like their, their sacrifice to go to counseling is going to benefit not just them, but everyone around them. Right. So you just got to play with that. And, um, you know, it's, uh, 
it's for all you parents out there that are in a similar situation as, as this, as this mother, um, just know that the quarantine and this situation, when it ends, we can either have enough time in the quarantine to develop better habits and better ways to approach similar, like the same old difficult situations, or we can develop bad habits that we never had before the quarantine. It's going to go either way. You're going to have developing worse habits or you're going to be developing better habits. In some cases, you know, with your kids, you know, you might be okay, but over here with your own personal self-care, you might fall apart, right? If we don't want to be a hypocrite, then we cannot ask our kids to put themselves out there if we're not willing to at least offer something in return. All right. As always, a lot of info. Yep. Oh, yeah. And a listener told me that I've ran into public. Um, they said I, they found the secret to listening to my advice through the podcast is putting it on half speed because I talk too fast. And I said, that's genius. I should have thought of that. So there you go, listeners. Slow. Like if for me, it's like it sounds like a normal speed and normal intensity if you slow it down. So there you go. Well, I can attest that when, and I, it's been a long time since I sat in your office and actually had a session, but I would go out to my car and just be like, I can remember one thing you just said, the last thing. (laughs) Well, Heidi, you are special though. You know that, right? (laughs) I am. I am. Anyway, you guys, you guys were reaching out with hugs, with love, with appreciation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank, Thank you to one of her contacts. Oh yeah, we should. I'm in fact, I need to order another pair of glasses. I need to have some choices. I'm wearing <laughs> these. <laughs> anyway, um, you guys, thank you for listening and thank you for helping us to light the fight.